Welcome back to our study on what God calls the greatest thing. God calls love the greatest thing through the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. And if you're watching online, uh, the scripture will be on the screen. Uh, but if you're in a backyard, if you're one of the hundreds of black rockers in a backyard, you may not have a screen. And so you may want to now open your Bible if you have one or your Bible app to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we read this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Uh, in our study of these words so far, uh, we've learned that love is the greatest thing because God is love. Before anything was created, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had this perfect love, this perfect community. And now God calls us one by one through Jesus into this greatest thing, God's love. Also in our study, we've learned that in my quest to make my life count for something, love is the only thing that makes it count for anything. Love matters most to God. My motives matter most to God, and love is the only motive that matters. So we say, okay, I get it. Uh, love is the most important thing. It's the greatest thing, but what is it? What is love? God answers this very question in these words as we continue reading in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I just love this description uh, that God gives us of love. And I can't wait to, you know, unpack each phrase in this description of love. Uh, but today, let's uh, start small. Let's just focus on one word, patient, as in love is patient. Why are we going to focus just on this one word? Because the word patient is the most important word in God's whole description of love. 1 Corinthians uh, 13 uh, has a description of love that includes uh, 15 items. And God's like anyone else. God knows that when you're describing something important with a list, the first item on the list has to be most important. Uh, if a couple is uh, celebrating their 15th anniversary and uh, the husband decides to come up with his homemade list of 15 things I love most about my wife, uh, if he gives this list to his wife and she reads the first thing on the list of the things he loves the most, and it is, number one, your minimal snoring at night, she's not even going to read the rest of the list because number one on the list has to be most important, not minimal snoring. Uh, she's going to say, Shakespeare, come on, just get me a Hallmark 
card because the number one on the list has to be the most important describer of love. In 1 Corinthians 13, God describes love in about 60 words in English, and the first word in the description is patient because it's the most important. Uh, Love is patient. It's the most important word, but we've got a problem. Uh, The problem is not with the Bible. Uh, The problem is with our English use of the word patient. We tend to use the word patient as kind of like a weak passivity, as the kind of a waiting around, a, a resignation that says, well, I guess all I can do is be patient. Well, this weak passivity is not at all what the word patient means in 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, it's just the opposite. Uh, when I tell you the Greek word for patient in 1 Corinthians 13, you're going to be amazed. You're going to be amazed again at the wisdom of God in his word. And you're going to be amazed how it is so true that this one word patient has to come first in God's description of love. So the word patient in 1 Corinthians 13 is the form of a Greek word. And the Greek word is macrothumia. It's a compound word made up of two Greek words, two Greek roots, macro, which means large or high, and thumia, which means trial or test. So macrothumia is high test. And when I think of uh, macrothumia, uh, my mind immediately goes to a sport that I know very little about. But knowing almost nothing about a subject has never stopped me before. So the sport is deep sea fishing. And my understanding is that uh, when you go in the open sea with the rod and reel, you have a choice of uh, the different weights of fishing line that you can choose. You can, you can choose uh, on one end of the spectrum a two-pound test line, which uh, has a very low uh, breaking point. It can only support two pounds. But on the other end of the spectrum, you can choose a fishing line that is 100-pound test. This fishing line is macrothumia. And this is the kind of fishing line you choose if you want to bring up something big from the deep. I mean, forget about bringing up something big from the deep if you've got just two-pound test line. The same goes with love. Love is God's, uh, in God's description in 1 Corinthians 13, is not a frothy, frilly, lightweight love. God is calling me to this big, big love. He's calling me to a big love that can only be pulled up with macrothumia. God's calling me to this greatest thing to be pulled up into my life and into my heart. God is calling me to pull up into my life and heart this big love that comes from the divine deeps of God himself. God wants me to pull up this love that is actually a reflection of God's love for me in Christ. And that is first and foremost, macrothumia. Why does this uh, love that God describes start with macrothumia? It's because you can't pull up the rest of the 14 items on God's list of love unless you have the line to support it. God's love is high test, high 
uh, high weight capacity line that allows me to bring up the kind of big love that God wants me to bring up that is a reflection of his love. God's high test love described in 1 Corinthians 13 is constant, complete, communicated, unconditional, and unconquerable. Uh, Let's start with uh, the first one. God's high test love is constant. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to wonder uh, about God's mood toward you? Aren't you glad that you don't have to uh, live in fear that you might do something that's going to snap God's love line and send you adrift, separated from his love? No, God's love is macrothumia. It never fails. It never breaks. It is constant. And God calls me to that same kind of love, a macrothumia for, uh, that is a reflection of his love for me that I, uh, I share with other people in my life, a love that doesn't break with uh, my bad mood or bad news or a bad day. Next, God's high test love is complete. Uh, what if God uh, said, you know, my 1 Corinthians 13 love is 15 items, but for you, I can only come up with 14 uh, because I'm not going to be able to, you know, keep no record of wrongs because uh, I know you, uh, you'll take advantage of that. Uh, it's not going to work. Uh, you're going to treat me like a pushover. Uh, you're just going to have to say uh, you're satisfied with a, you know, 14 out of 15 kind of love. It ain't bad. No. God's love is complete, and God is calling me to the same kind of love that is macrothumia and doesn't break in the middle of God's love definition. God's calling me to a kind of love that uh, isn't selective and uh, says, no, not uh, uh, number four or six or 12 on the list because uh, this person uh, doesn't deserve that kind of love on the list. Oh, this person, it will never work. That person will take advantage of that kind of love. And I can't do this part of the love description because, uh, well, this it would just be impossible for this person. No, God is calling me to his kind of macrothumia, high test love that is complete. Next, God's high test love is communicated. Uh, I mean, Uh, what good would it do for me in this life if God loved me completely and constantly, but he never told me and he never showed me his love? Well, I don't have to wonder what that would be like because in Jesus Christ, God's love communication line is unbroken. Every moment of every day, God is communicating his love to me. And God is calling me to that same kind of macrothumia where uh, I communicate love. I don't just have love for people, but I communicate it, even to people who uh, may put up rejection or resistance to that love. God's calling me for love that doesn't break, doesn't give up. Next, uh, God's high test love is unconditional. Uh, Isn't it great to think that uh, God's love for me in Jesus is not a a love that has ifs attached to it. It's not uh, God loves me 
if I'm lovable or if I'm commendable or if I meet all God's expectations or his standards for me returning his love. No, God's love has no conditions. And God's calling me to the same kind of macrothumia, the same kind of high test love where it doesn't break down when people uh, have a conflict with me or I uh, have a person who disappoints me or doesn't meet my expectations. And finally, God's high test love is unconquerable. I mean, how awful would it be if uh, there was a kryptonite that would weaken God's super love for me? (laughs) There is no kryptonite. Uh, God's love cannot be diminished. It cannot be defeated. It is unconquerable. God loves me with a love that never breaks, never fails. And God's calling me to reflect the love that I receive from him, a kind of love that doesn't give up on people, even if they're unlovable or if there are situations or people that make it hard for me to love. God's love is high test. It's uh, constant and complete and communicated and unconditional and unconquerable. God's love for me is this high test love And God wants me to then receive this love and reflect it in my relationships. God calls me to a love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, a love that never fails. But to have a love that never fails, I must first commit to a high test patience that doesn't give up, to a high test patience that doesn't break. Why, why is uh, the first descriptor of God's love to be patient? It's because relationships aren't always easy. It's because loving people is not always easy because people aren't always lovable. And when I run into uh, this love that requires me to uh, have a high test, unbreakable love, sometimes I just want to give up. Uh, when it comes to uh, loving my spouse and it requires conflict resolution, I want to give up. When love calls me to humbly ask forgiveness from my child who I've wounded with a word, I want to give up. When love calls me to forgive my coworker for the same offense again and again the same day, I want to give up. When I find that my Uh, ability to love keeps coming short, and I keep uh, disappointing this this love of God reflected in me, I want to give up. But God says, my love for you is patient. My love for you does not give up. And so just allow the receiving of my macrothumia love to be your experience and then love out of the overflow of that experience. God's love for me is a patient love that doesn't give up. Have you received this love? Have you received God's love through your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross? If you have, then God loves you with a patient love that never fails and never gives up. And in 1 Corinthians 13, God is calling me to receive his love, and then share it with others around me. God's calling me to a love that I receive first from him, 
and then share that macrothumia love that I receive from him with others who are sometimes difficult to love. When God says, love is patient, in 1 Corinthians 13, God is calling me to receive his love that never fails, and then to, with patience, show that love that doesn't give up. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this love of God that is patient and how we can receive this love and reflect it in our relationships. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Kevin and Carrie Butterfield. And uh, Kevin is our pastor of students and young adults here at BlackRock. And he's here because he's a man of amazing insight. And uh, Carrie, our topic is patience today. And you're here because being married to Kevin makes you an expert in this uh, category. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, Which I get because uh, I feel like I'm such a blessing to all my relationships because uh, just the way I live just calls out uh, patience from from people. (laughs) Uh, which is our topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, kind of applying uh, this teaching we just heard uh, about God's definition of love and how it starts with the word patient. So I've got three questions for you mm. uh, designed to uh, bring out how do we apply uh, this uh, teaching to have this high test love that uh, doesn't break and doesn't give up. So our first question is this. Why do you think a commitment to high-test patience is where love begins? Yeah. Well, uh, for me, I, I always think of the fact that love has to look like something, and love often looks like cost. So even mm-hmm. as you were talking about uh, this macrothumia kind of patient love, is that it does test something. And, and for me, it often tests my ability to give. And mm-hmm. love has to look like something. So giving looks like that. Even John 3.16, a verse uh, that many of us know, says, for God so loved the world that he gave. gave. His love led to giving. And, and I think um, um, living in relationships with people, especially for me, my kids have taught me a lot about what am I willing to give mm-hmm. is often determined by my amount of love. Uh, And for my kids, I love them so much, but let's face it, kids are expensive. They cost a lot, Uh, obviously financially, but um, kids take a lot of your time. They take a lot of energy. They take a lot of emotional energy to parent them well, to love them well, and it costs a lot to give. So for me, I, I love this idea that there's this patient testing of your love that's associated with, um, with how much you love. Are they worth my love in right. that way? Right. And um, I think that kids are that natural place sometimes where God can develop that kind of patient love right. um, and learn how to pay a cost that's so associated with how much you love them mm. uh, in that way. Mm. Yeah. Real love has a, a cost to it. And so I've heard it said that, you know, if you think, that love is easy, mm. you haven't even started yet. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, love is not easy because people are not always lovable and relationships are not always easy. And so if I'm going to love God's way, it's got to start with patience. Yeah. Uh, if, if I'm going to even start and if I'm going to continue in, uh, in showing this kind of love. Uh, so we've established uh, mm-hmm. that love is hard, which leads to the next question, which is, um, if your love is like a, a fishing line, what situations most threaten to snap your love line uh, and make you want to give up on loving someone? Yeah. Um, 
for me, I think the verse in the Bible where it says anyone can love people who love them. Mm -hmm. um, it's the loving people who are hard to love. Right. That is the challenge. And so um, for me, the challenge presents itself when I experience disappointment in mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. where somebody does something that really hurts me deeply. Um, and I'm an idealist. That's how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. And so when I get disappointed, what, I, what I've seen is I can then kind of turn my love off and decide I don't have to do that any longer. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw this uh, a few years ago, um, about 12 years ago, we were, I was traveling home after a quiet time with God and God had said, I want you to go back to America. I want you to kind of press into that place of forgiveness with a family member who had hurt me deeply and hurt other family members deeply and make a visit um, and just press into that space. And, and I was like, okay, God, I'll do that. And so made the arrangements, went on the trip with the expectation that if I followed God and I obeyed him, that everything was going to turn out really well. Right. Um, got there, things kind of went pear-shaped, turned upside down a bit. And um, so I found, I experienced this deep disappointment yeah. in God, mm -hmm. but also in the people that I was with. Yeah. And so um, in that place, I could see myself retreating emotionally mm -hmm. and turning my love off. Right. Found myself in an airport with my kids trying to get home. Um, and uh, the agent said to me, uh, we were trying to organize a trip in the midst of a storm and so trying to make our way home. And my kids came over to me and said, mom, we've got to pray. God, we're going to ask God to help us. And so I said, okay, you guys go over there and pray while I talk to this agent and we'll figure this out. So a week and a half later, I find myself home and, and praying and God said, brought me back to that moment. Yeah. And he said, we've got a relationship issue. When you experience disappointment or pain, um, and pain looks for blame. Mm -hmm. So I blamed God in that moment and I, and I turned my love off. Yeah. And um, so he invited me in that season just to learn how to stay engaged and to choose to love when it's painful or it's hard yeah. and it's difficult. Yeah. And I'm yeah. still on that journey. Right. I'm still learning how to do that. So Yeah, yeah. so disappointment uh, can just tend to break that love line. Mm. Uh, and when you were talking, I think another one that came to me is uh, that when I sense rejection mm. uh, from someone, I just want to break that love line. Uh, you, you were talking about families and you know how extended families can have uh, family politics so that you know, you're on the mm. outs uh, with certain group of people just because of who you're associated with. Well, I find that can happen in friend circles too. And mm. so uh, I've been in a social circle where I'm on the outs with this guy uh, just because of who I'm associated with. And he's made it clear, even though we interact friendly on a social level, made it clear that he's not interested in uh, anything from me, with me. Mm. Uh, he's not interested in the God that I uh, believe in or serve. And, uh, and I, I just, I'm not proud of this, but when I sensed that rejection, uh, mm. I felt like there was something that stuck snaps in me mm. that says, okay, this is a person I don't need to worry about. I don't need to love. I got other people to love. I don't need to love this guy. Mm. Uh, he doesn't want my love. All right, you're not going to get it. Yeah. And uh, uh, and so, you know, it's like uh, I can just just write that person off and uh, I don't need to, you know, care about that person. I don't need to try to keep reaching out in appropriate ways to kind of demonstrate mm -hmm. my love. And again, I'm not proud of that because uh, that's, that's God's love. I mean, mm. God's love is this love that uh, even in the midst of rejection reaches past that to keep communicating mm. uh, this love that doesn't 
give up. And mm-hmm. it's in these times of disappointment and rejection that uh, we really demonstrate uh, that kind of love. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do I grow in that? How, how mm-hmm. do we grow mm-hmm. in this kind of love? So mm-hmm. that's the last uh, question here. How can we grow to make our love more high test uh, mm-hmm. with God's kind of patience? Yeah. Well, God is really good. Yeah. And he's really patient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants us to grow in, his, in our love, looking like patience. So often he gives us lots of opportunities yeah. to learn patience. <laughs> right. um, uh, you know, they say, don't ever pray, God make me more patient. Yeah. Uh, Cause he'll give you plenty of opportunities <laughs> plenty. to develop yeah. that. Um, but there was a situation that uh, I found myself in uh, working with some people uh, that I was working really hard to demonstrate uh, this kind of love mm. and honor within that. And uh, it was a difficult situation that we found ourselves in. And I was doing my hardest to try to model a different way of living, Mm -hmm. of loving, of being honoring and respecting. And they weren't responding the same way, Mm -hmm. or at least in my opinion, uh, as fast or as perfectly as I thought they should by this point. Um, Their response didn't seem to match my willingness to love. And uh, I was so frustrated because it was months, actually probably years of, of trying to do this. And I came to God with lots of frustration. And I just said, you know, the, I feel like I'm loving so well. I'm doing this so right. And they're not responding the same way. And it's just causing lots of frustration in, in God's loving, yet uh, it was this loving, sarcastic yeah. uh, kind of response that God gave me. He goes, yeah, I wouldn't understand that at all. <laughs> and, and I knew he was talking about yeah, me. Right. I knew he was reminding me that uh, he loves me perfectly. Right. Um, he's so good to me that he, and he's so patient with me. And I don't respond always in kind. Yeah, I don't sure. respond perfectly in that way, um, the way I should respond to his perfect love over me. And so it was God's reminder that, hey, Kev, I have patience with you. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if you remember that, if you see that, um, this is what I'm asking you to respond with. Mm. And people aren't always gonna respond as fast or as perfectly as you want them to, or as they should maybe. Um, um, But if I remember God's deep love and patience with me, Mm -hmm. it helps at least twist my, or change my perspective Mm -hmm. enough to go, Mm. okay, if, if you have that much love and patience with me, then I, I, can, I can at least uh, respond with that kind of love as, as best I can with his help. And that's really what it, I need yeah. to go, oh, I really need your help in this. One of the things that you said, it really made me kind of a, a light bulb come on. And that is that uh, you're saying that the, the way we grow in patience is in the midst of failure. Yeah. Uh, and it's failure that actually helps us to grow in this patience, which... Uh, uh, brings me back to the idea that uh, that there is one person that we all are least patient with, mm. and that is ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that when we we see ourselves fail again and again in love, we tend to uh, not give ourselves a break, and we mm. give up on ourselves when it comes uh, to love in the midst of the you know process of God growing us in patience. I uh, uh, you know Billy Graham, the famous evangelist. Mm. I. Uh, I uh, heard a story of uh, Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth, in the car, and, uh, and they're traveling, and they get to this massive traffic jam, stop and go, slow, seems to be lasting forever. Finally, the traffic opens up, and uh, they see a, a sign that says, uh, end of construction, thanks for your patience. Mm. And uh, Ruth turns to Billy mm. and says, that's what I want on my tombstone. Wow. 
Uh, she said, Billy, I, God has me under construction in this world. Thank you mm. for your patience to me and how you demonstrate your love to me through patience. Wow. And uh, uh, my understanding is that you go to North Carolina, you see your tombstone, mm. and it says, Ruth Bell Graham, mm. end of construction. Mm. Thanks wow. for your patience. Wow. That's wonderful. And, that's you know, that's, that's us. I mean, yeah. we, we need to be patient with others but first, we need to be patient with ourselves in the midst of the, the construction that God's got going in our, in our lives. And uh, thank you for uh, you know, kind of helping along this journey, uh, yeah. this often stop and go uh, journey to help us kind of apply uh, patience here. And uh, thank you. And let's grow together in uh, God's love that is patient that doesn't give up on us. And let's not give up on reflecting his love in our relationships. As we seek to love others well and love God, what a perfect time to unite with your BlackRock brothers and sisters in remembering Jesus and his love for us. Next Sunday, October 4th, we invite you to join us at our usual worship times, prepared to celebrate communion from home or at your backyard church. Pastor Steve will lead us in the taking of the bread and the cup in remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It will be a special moment, so we look forward to celebrating communion with you next week. Have a great rest of your day.